the focus, of course, is that we're coming up to Shabbos Mavarchin, Rosh Chodesh Elul, the High Holy Days. And so I was really bothered by the Rambam's term that Oshuv Echte, Oshuv Echte. What happens if I, I come round to the Yomim Noraim, Rosh Chodesh Elul, and, you know, I haven't changed. I'm still, uh, I still have the same character defects. I still have the same habits. And uh, I, want to, I, I want to try and address that obliquely today with the two Torahs that I present to you based on the first verse in our Pasha, Vahoya Ekev Tishmu. But I want to start with a story. And the story goes that the story is basically on a Gemara in Psachim 113 in the name of Rabchia that one should stay away from uh, drugs. And the Rajbam gives two reasons. He says, you should stay away from drugs so as not to become addicted to the point of having to rob people for money to feed your addiction. And then he adds, because even the most therapeutic drug in the world may be good for one part of the body and harmful to another, as there's no such thing as a perfect drug. I thought that that was, um, I, I, thought, I thought that was absolutely pre prescient of him in the medieval period, some 600 years ago, uh, to make that statement about drugs. And he was talking about therapeutic drugs. Now, a very unnerving statement about drugs and addiction, considering its source, was written by the Mikhtar Meliahu, Rav Dessler. And he wrote, I intuit, and it is intellectually certain to me that smoking cigarettes is bad for my health. Nevertheless, I go ahead and continue to smoke. Why is this, he asks in volume 1, page 79, which has been translated. Clearly, an emotional attachment cannot be overridden by that which I know rationally. Mm -hmm. Now, you, you, you have to understand who's talking. We're talking about the, the mashkiach of Gateshead, which is a litvishi yeshiva. And he is saying, an emotional attachment cannot be overridden by that which I know rationally. And once, while it's still in Gateshead, Rav Dessler put up a sign on his office door stating that he had officially quit smoking. This is in the 50s. He explained that he was testing himself <laughs> to see which temptation was greater, his desire to continue smoking or his desire to be seen as a man of truth. And I thought that that was absolutely brilliant. He wasn't pitting the Yetzirah versus the Yetzirah. He was pitting the Yetzirah for nicotine against his Yetzirah for covert to be seen as a man of MS. Rav Hirsch was at one time so addicted to snuff that before retiring to bed one night, he had caught himself placing his snuff box under his pillow in case he wanted a pinch in the middle of the night. Shocked at the power his habit had over him, he quit that night never to touch it again. Now, back in 1973, when Rav Moshe Feinstein was made aware that some Frum teenagers were experimenting with marijuana, aside from the very uh, real issue of Dina de Malchusa Dina, and maybe he ignored that because he correctly assumed that one day it would be legalized, as it is today in 27 states, he writes in the Igris Moshe, Yoradea, volume 3, number 35, the Tshuva, 
no less than seven reasons for prohibiting it. This, although marijuana, may not even be an addictive substance, although that is still subject to an ongoing debate. According to the NIH, long-term marijuana can lead um, to addiction. And so people have difficulty controlling their drug use and cannot stop, even though it interferes with many aspects of their lives. And they reckon in the NIH that 9 to 10% of people who use marijuana will become dependent on it. And that's all the more so would Rav Moshe have his reasons applied to harder drugs. Um, you know, his reasons range from Kibodav to Kadoshim Tiyu to increasing one's taiva to other things, which is called cross-addiction, very, very known. If you have one addiction, you're most likely to have more than one. And he actually ends his tshuva by imploring the Klal Yisrael that we especially work to keep yeshiva students away some, from such vices. Now, I, I bring these up because we have an epidemic in our community uh, of uh, heroin deaths among from teenagers, a literal epidemic. But this applies to each of us. It applied to the Godole Yisrael, Rav Dessler, and Rav Shinkman Raphael Hirsch. So I felt like some kind of uh, healing from knowing that everyone struggles with this. And uh, it doesn't matter what the object of addiction is. Which brings us back to my original thought. As we come back round now to Elul, the 45 days between Tuba'av and Rosh Chodesh, what is our attitude? How do we approach this Echtev Oshuv, Echtev Oshuv? So let me share the screen with you. And the screen I'd like to share is this first Pasuk. Bahoya Ekev Tishmum. And look how he translates it. And the consequence will be Bahoya. He, he, he almost doesn't translate the word Akev. Normally it's Vahoya im Shemoa Tishmuhu, Vahoya Kiyaviecha, Vahoya im, if you do this. It's a conditional clause. Here the word Akev, he can't even translate. Vahoya means the consequence. If you hearken, Vahoya Akev Tishmuhu is ham Mishpatim ha'ele, Akev, if you listen, if, if you obey the rules. Then, in return, Shomar Adonai Elohecha Lecha Et Habrit Betachesed Remember this word Brit, because I'm going to come back to this later. Now, this comes right after the last verse of Ba'et Hanan. And you shall keep faithfully the instructions and the laws and the rules. So the question is, is there a connection between the two? And so Rashi says, he brings a medrash that the word akev is reference to the heel, the anatomical heel. And he says, in my mitzvah's colors, sheha odom dash ba'akvot tishmun. We just finished the previous verse saying, and you shall keep all the mitzvahs that I tell you in the last possible verse. So there must be something new about the first verse of Akev, Akev Tishma'un. And it has to do with the unusual conditional word Akev. 
Akev means then not only if you hear, but if you hear to those mitzvahs that are considered Akev, which is what? She'adam dash ba'akavav. There are mitzvahs that you take very seriously. And then there are lighter mitzvahs that you're dosh ba'akvav. You can kind of step over them or trample on them. Those two you have to listen. And only then, v'shomar Hashem, yishma then he'll keep the promise that he made to your fathers. Very nice. That's Rashi's interpretation of this whole pericope. Now, the Tanhuma says something very interesting. And if you hear, come to hear those statutes, Akev, this text relates to a, a, a posuk in Mishle. And you shouldn't take practice and give and take the commandments to see how much reward you're going to get from the bigger ones versus the lesser ones. Rashi is kind of basically troping of that understanding. Don't you start choosing the reward for this versus that because that's going to influence how your practice is. And now he tells us a very interesting marshal that bothered me. A king who had an orchard and he brings workers into it. But the king did not disclose the reward for which seedlings which would produce the better fruits. He just told them all, here's your seed, here's your seed. Because if he had revealed the reward for his various seedlings, then the workers would see which seedling increased their reward, and then they would plant that one. So they would have, you know, regular roses, but then they would have orchids. And he knew that the orchids would bring a, bring a better price, so they would choose the orchid seedlings rather than the rose seedlings. And the work in the orchard, and here's the critical part, the work in the orchard would end up with some of it suspended and some of it carried out. That's the end of the moshal. Meaning the king wants the orchard to flower in all its glory, in the, in the seedlings that are, are higher priced and the seedlings of the letter, lesser priced. Why? Because an orchard must reflect the whole gamut of botany. And botany is uh, not selective. It has various grades of quality and beauty. But the orchard has to feel complete. Now listen to the nimshal. Kaf. The Holy One, Blessed Be, did not reveal the reward for each and every commandment in the Torah. For if he had revealed it, the commandments would have been found with some of them carried out and some of them suspended. This is the medrash that Rashi is basing himself on. It's, I mean, it's, it, if I look at the mashal by itself, why wouldn't a worker want to choose a seedling that would give him a better reward? Why wouldn't he want to do it? So the king has to involve himself in a kind of ruse, in a kind of withholding of the actual nature of the work he's giving them. He's giving them all seeds. I'm not telling you on which is good, which is bad, because I want the end product. I want my orchard. I am not interested really in what you want or what your reward is. Do you see that darker side to the marshal? I want a beautiful orchard. And the nimshal though is that we can't pick and choose 
uh, the mitzvahs that we do. Some are rational, some are non-rational, some are mystical, mythical, some make sense, some don't make sense. Okay, it's a package deal, as my wife always says. It's a package deal. You can't pick and choose. Why? Because some may have a better reward than others? No, because the Rabboni Shalom wants the garden seeded. He wants all the mitzvahs kept for whatever um, hidden reasons that he has. Very nice. So we've gone through from the Pshat to Midrash and the way Rashi and the way the Rashi does it. Now let's take a look at the Chuas Chain. Now the Chuas Chain in Pasha's Akev, the Hoya Akev Tishmum. So the Chuas Chain, he was a Talmud of Reb Gedali of Linitz in Galicia. He was a Talmud of the Baal Shem HaKadosh, pure pristine Baal Shem Torah. So already he says, the problem is Vahoya. What's this Vahoya business? Now we know in the Gemara that Vahoya always means an Indian of Simcha. Whatever it says Vahoya, Chazal say what is about to be told is an Indian of a, of, of a happy thing. If you say then that's not so good. That's Tochacha. But if it's Vahoya, then it's something happy. So, Tzorich Ladas Milas Vahoya Ein Log But this Vahoya has no, uh, it, it has no predicate. It comes with a conditional clause, but there's no consequence. If you listen to, then what will happen to you? No. Then it goes on, and God will do this and this. So, it has no Gezeira, he means. That's what he means by that. It has no Gezeira, it has no consequence. And if you want to say to me, well, maybe God doing that uh, is, is the consequence, then it should have said, then he will do. Vishama is in the transitive tense. It doesn't say he will do. He'll, give, he'll keep his word if you keep yours. And it doesn't say as we said before, Rashi's problem. So he says, well, I have to connect the Pasuk with the last Pasuk in Paschenon that we talked about, which is what? That's the last Pasuk in Mishpatim. And I have to connect it to that. How? So he goes into his exposition and says, there's a Maimah Chazal, which is in Sifri to Borim. On Kriyas Shema, that we say twice a day. What is the word Hayom? When I'm saying Kriyas Shema, I wasn't told today. I'm reciting what was told back then historically. So what's, what do I need the word Hayom? Just say, and then Chazal said something beautiful. They say, That is, the Hayom has to do with my attitude of reciting the Shema. That the words of Torah have to be, in my eyes, very subjectively, as if they're fresh. 
We say, God creates the world afresh every day. Every day afresh. And therefore the Torah has to be fresh, new. What on earth does that mean? What a technical term. And to explain this matter, not Alpi Pshuto Shel Mikro, not Alpi Drush, but Alpi Haskala Pnimiyut. I think he means an inner Seichel, an intuitive Seichel, an, a, a Seichel that comes from within a person. Now he's going to explain what that Haskalah Pnimit means. That, that at the time of Matan Torah, Two things were given to every Jew at Har Sinai. A piece of Torah, everyone received the Torah, individually, subjectively, not as a mass of 600,000 souls amassed together. When the Torah came down, it was given in aliquots. Every person was given a chilek of Torah. And how, he says, kefi erech shoresh nishmoso. You remember I told you the Ramban said there were 600,000 letters of the Torah. There are 600,000 souls at Sinai. And every soul received one os of the Torah. Here he's saying that everyone received an aliquot of Torah, kefi erech shoresh nishmoso, according to where he was, where he is in the pecking order of his spiritual soul essence, if I would use modern terminology. And secondly, ukefi hachanato, according to his preparation to receive. You have to be in a state of receptivity to receive. Stunning comment. Original. <laughs> now he's going to take the basis of an Agadita Gemarantinus in which he says, Kol echad echad ba'a ha-Torah v'ha-mitzvah b'sha'as ma'aseh v'omrulo kabelosi al-atzmecho at Harsinai the response was Naseh Venishma, but that was a response to a question. And the question was not as it says in the Pshat in chapter 19 of Exodus, but the Torah actually went to every individual and said, Kabelosi alatzmecha, are you going to accept me? And he says that, troping on that beautiful medrash, he said, Hakavana, the deeper level of that medrash, will you accept me? Is what? Shelakol echad baha Torah, it came hamesugelet lo me'erech nishmaso mibechenes hapardes. The Torah came to him. It wasn't just a question, will you? But the Torah knew exactly who we were at Sinai according to the erech nishmato mibechenes hapardes. The Torah could see there was a pecking order of spirits. There are some spirits that are pshat. They're driven by pshat. That's what moves them. That's the sole root of their looking at reading Torah. There are some who are remes. 
There are some who are midrashic, and there are some who are sowed, meaning the secrets of Torah. And so that's, that's, he set it up, right? Every day the Shema has to be like new. And in order to understand what it means to be like new, you have to know from Haskalah Pnimit that when we receive the Torah, we received a certain aliquot in our neshama, according to the erich of our neshama, where it was in the pecking order of paradise, and the degree to which we could mechin, we could prepare ourselves. Now he's going into that second aspect of hachana. The chasidut, the hachana of the mitzvah, as our rabbi tells us always, is much greater than the mitzvah itself. You can be doing mitzvahs by rote, anshe melumada, by rote, and that means very little, except the performative aspect of having been counted that mitzvah. You get your mitzvah point. But it does nothing, does little else to the soul. To perform the mitzvahs with soul, then needs hachanah. Now look what he says about hachanah. That's it. One word. Shiflus. How do you translate shiflus? Remember I told you when it says by the Torah describing Moshe Rabbeinu as Anav Mikol Adam, when God was criticizing his siblings for, for saying Lashon Hora about him. But Moshe Haya Anav Mikol Adam, Rashi says two words, Shafal Vesavlan. Shafal, that's what we're using the word right here, Shafal, Shiflus. Self-abnegation, humility, surrender. Savlanut, that modern Hebrew means patient. In classical Hebrew, it, sovel is to endure, to suffer well, to endure. To, to, so, so the shiflus is, I know who I am. I know all my character defects. I've done that moral inventory. That's shiflus. Not to fool yourself. <laughs> That's fooling yourself. Knowing exactly where you are in that pecking order of paradise requires shiflus. It requires a surrender to my genetics and my past and my trauma and everything that makes the me who I am. That requires shiflus. I'm not going to be Ramosha Feinstein. I'm just going to be me. You know the story of Zisha, right? They'll go to the next world and they'll say, Zisha. And he's going, oi, oi, no, Zisha, we don't care whether you were Moshe Rabbeinu. We want to know, were you Zisha? That's shiflus. Sablonus is the ability to hold that, to withstand that knowledge that you're not perfect. That's called sablonus. Shiflus. Ukafi erech ha-shiflus and the degree to which you have that meter of shiflus is the degree to which you will create that vessel, the hachona, the vessel, lekabel ha-Torah, kifigat luso kat nuso. Depending on if you're great or small, it doesn't matter where you are on the pegging water. The only thing that matters is that you are a vessel to receive whatever Torah wishes to give you. It's a stunning, deep concept. 
And this is what it meant. Moshe Kibel Torah Misina. We say that every Shabbos afternoon for Pirkeovus. Moses kept received the Torah from Sinai. That doesn't just mean he went up the mountain and here I got it. No. Moshe Kibel, he received what from Torah? What did he receive? He received the concept of Sinai. It wasn't just a geographical location. It wasn't just a mountain. It was a concept. Sinai is a concept. And what did he learn from Sinai? Where did he learn that the vessel to receive the Torah that was meant for you in your life? He learned from Sinai. Why? Because we learned in Megillah 29, and there was a whole battle between the mountains. Shehare Tibor, Vahermon, Kulam Bale, Mume, Neged Sinai. Even though they were taller, ski slopes, bigger, taller, they didn't compare to Sinai that was the smallest of the mountain. Al Shehoya, Shafal Mikulam. Because Sinai was the humblest of the mountains. I told you once, the Kotzka Rebbe said, okay. It was shiftless. Sinai was shafal. So then, why don't we get why don't we get the Torah in a valley? What it has to be a mountain for? Let it be a valley. Give the Torah in a valley. <laughs> and so he quipped, "Ayit cannot make a shmatter from himself." Yes, you have to be humble. You have to be a Sinai, but you don't have to go down and dig into the into a valley. Don't a shmatter. You don't have to make yourself. And that's what Moshe Kibel told me Sinai. It's not that he received the Torah on the top of Sinai. Of course, that's the Pshad. He received the lesson of how to receive, how to be a kibul, how to receive Torah, mi Sinai, from the shiftless of Sinai. Very nice. So now how does, he, how does this all fit uh, with, with what we're saying? So he ends up by saying the following. This is the meaning of Ekev Tishma. Because before that, the verse before, that previous verse in Vesfanon, that comes from the Hitchachus of Torah. The prerequisite of Vahoya Ekev is the Hayom of the previous verse. That I'm giving you these mitzvahs, Hayom, meaning, that is, Ekev is the heel. And the hachana for the hayom, the preparation for the hischadshus of Torah every day to make freshness, is v'hoya ekev. Not v'hoya im shomorah. The listening has to be with shiflus, with the heel, the lowest part of the human anatomy. Then, Then the Torah will reveal its secrets. He is saying a dazzling, dazzling spiritual insight. The degree to which I prepare myself for learning Torah is, and for the hischadshus of Torah. I want that chiddush that applies to me for my level of soul in this day, 
It requires the akev. It requires the hachana. And then he makes the claim, al yedei zeh. And if you can do that, yizkev yizgalelo, it will be revealed to you, roze Torah, the poel mamish, the secrets of Torah, the poel mamish. And now with that perspective in mind, I want to share with you a Torah from Zichron Shmuel. This is his grave. Uh, he died recently. Um, he was only 53 when he died. His name was Reb, uh, Zichron Shmuel, Reb Shmuel Menachem, Reb Tzvi HaLevi Fine. He lived in Ferndale just outside Detroit. And he had a small yeshiva with uh, about 30 guys. Um, but he left writings. And I was really stunned by this beautiful drush that I want to share with you, which brings us back to my original complex that I'm struggling with. And that's I'm coming to Elul, and what am I doing? And here he is, Zichron Shmuel. And he looks at that same verse, Vahoya Ekev Tishmon, and he says it's a remez. What is that? Simcha. What are you talking about? What's the Simcha? This is very conditional. You do the mitzvahs, you get rewarded. You don't do the mitzvahs, you get the heifer. Gam Altevas Akev, he's also borrowed, bothered by the word Akev. Pirish Rashi, Ima Mitzvah's Kalashe Odom Dosh Be'akvov, as we learned before, citing Rashi that you will learn the mitzvahs, you should keep the mitzvahs that a person is Dosh Be'akvov. And so he says something really interesting. You know what? Last week was Tu Ba'av. Tu Ba'av. Well, there's a famous Mishnah in Tainus. And it says, Lo hoyu yamim tovim li Yisrael chamisha There was never a happy time in Klal Yisrael like two days in the year. Two days in the year. Tu Ba'av, which we had last Shabbos, and Yom Kippur. What have they got in common? So the Mishnah says, Shebahen hoyu benos Yisrael yotzos the, the girls would go out to the forest or the fields, the omros, and would, they'd all dress alike so that no one would look fancier, and they would choose bocherim, and they would go up to a bocher, a young unmarried man, the omros, and they would say to him, bachur, young man, young chap, so no necho, open your eyes. And see what you could possibly be choosing for yourself. Meaning, they would dress all in white, so they all look alike. And so he's, they're asking them, look at me, look through me, look into me, look at the quality of me to see what you could possibly choose as a spouse. Now, the Koshnitz Magid picks up on this beautiful Mishnah and says... The Bochrim aren't the Bochrim, the girls aren't the girls. <laughs> Lifting up your eyes isn't those eyes. And he says, Azoi. She mechamisha osa ba'av, from tu ba'av, matchilin yemei haratzon letakein kol advarim v'masim shkel lashona. From tu ba'av until Rosh Chodesh Tishrei, 45 days, is the beginning of the time to fix everything we did during the year. 
It's a time from internal reflection. It's a time to letakein, to put in order a moral inventory. The nitkabel lifnei amakim, so that when the yomim noroim come in, we will be acceptable to the rabbon shalom. And umitu ba'av ad rosh hashanah heim mem hey yamim, forty-five days, mem hey. The Zereb is Chazal. Now he's going to repeat the Mishnah at the, in the key of D minor. Bachur doesn't mean a man. It means B'nai Yisrael Shehem Nivcharim. He's punning on the word Bachur. Bachur could also be Nivchar, chosen. You, son of the chosen people. Umikolo Umos. So'enecho. Doesn't mean look how beautiful I am. So enecho, hainu, meachoidish menachem av, from the time of Tuba av. And the Arizal says av is the month that is auspicious for fixing the eyes. Every month, according to the Arizal, Ripsodok, is mesugal. It's an auspicious time to fix one of the seven apertures of the face that are sunk in tithers and sunk in addictions. The month of Av is so'enecho. Remember, it's Menachem Av. It's the time to fix the eyes. Kemoshikos of the Arizal. And there he comes to my point. Tzorich ha'odom letakein ma shepagam be'enayim. It's stunning. Open your eyes, ure'e ma. And look at the 45 days. Memhei ma. Look at the 45 days. Make use of the 45 days. And you've got to look at all the nitsotas, these holy sparks that you misused with your eyes and drag them into the clipper. That's what ma means. Choose this time carefully. You can now refine that which you caused to be flawed by looking at this one with nasty eyes, with an eye in horror to this one, the inappropriate websites, the inappropriate nakata nakaivas by the pool, all the inappropriate stuff that goes into our eyes. We live in a world where everything is available on your handheld. That the whole world is visually available. The YouTube has destroyed us in a sense that everything is available for us to... The voyeurism is beyond. Never in our history have we been deluged, our visual cortex deluged with so much data that comes through the visual. Valzer. He says, that is, means, v'hoya ekev tishmun. Ekev is loshon sof, meaning not the end anatomically, but the end of the year, the last month before Tishri. Sof hashono. Sheba sof hashono yadchil odom liyos mi mechze chakla. V'hoya, that is, sheyiyeh simcha. That should bring you to a sense of simcha. Not what I translate as joy, but I translate as equanimity, serenity. Having done the inner work 
of fixing the pagam ha'enayim, a person comes to a sense of serenity as he faces the yomim no'ra'im. And that brings us back to our original Rav Desla, Rav Hirsch, and all the other addictions of the eyes. And that's what I'd like to say, what brings us also back to that original pasuk, in which we're told the verse, V'shomar es Hashem es habris. And I take that literally, that the Shmira Senaim and the Tikkun of the Shmira Senaim lead to the Tikkun Habris. May we all be zoicher to reflect on the shoyrish of our neshama that we get through our doing an honest moral inventory by doing the kind of inventory that requires shiflus, which is an understanding and a savlanut, the hardest thing to look in the mirror and say, yeah, I accept who I am. And now I start from that where we are promised that we will be revealed to us the rose of the Torah, which is a mirror of our deepest selves. And that requires us in the next 45 days uh, to do the tikkun of this month. May we should all be zoicher to come into next week, Mavorchem uh, with all brachas to all of you.